0: God bless guys and welcome back to Research Podcast. It has been some time since we did one of these, Um, you know, but considering that we are going through what we're going through this uh, pandemic globally, it has somewhat afforded me a little bit more time to dedicate to this podcast and I do uh, plan to dedicate more time to it um, now that this world has kind of, it's changed, at least my world has changed somewhat, um, rethinking uh, m- you know my work uh, load that I have, but nevertheless, that's neither here or there. I'm, I digress. Um, the purpose of this podcast is essentially kind of speaking to what we're going through um, as a, as a, as a, as a humanity. I guess as human beings in this world that has been greatly affected by this pandemic. Uh, Last time I I got to speak or last time I got to preach was at at our online services through our church. And we were reflecting upon, essentially, um, considering the fact that we've all been hit hard by this pandemic, um, that many have, I guess, struggled. uh, It's raised anxiety, stress, and and, um, all, all these fears. And so my my question that i had for the church essentially was in in whom have you placed your hope in whom have you placed your hope because it was just pretty much a call to remind you that the hope that we have should remain firmly on god and nothing else um and if we aren't or if we are experiencing these anxieties which are natural but if, if it's happening into a well to a very concerning rate then there there has to be uh, a time for you to reflect upon what well, in what have i placed my hope if that foundation on which uh, you felt secure was not god then naturally you are going to be experiencing anxiety and fear and and um the sense of of loneliness and abandonment and 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 what have you that those things happen those things happen when when uh, god isn't your number one let's say and so that's what i reflected on last time and just kind of spinning off from that i i've been spending some time in the old testament um uh uh, books you know in the old testament uh prophets in particular um the 12 prophets the the minor prophets um and and that's not because of the pandemic it's just the way that uh, my my bible reading has my bible reading plan has kind of folded unfolded um and so anyways i digress again I the point is that because of that like because of where i'm at i've been reading i've just been reading a lot of the old testament um and you find a lot of these things um, in terms of you know like plagues and stuff like that and a lot of people are, are taking it to mean something that he really it, it isn't saying those things. Um, it's it's not speaking directly to our 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 context. It definitely has a a purpose when it was written, and most of these have been fulfilled in 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 the Lord. So. But what I want to do reflect upon is something that is common to all of us and something that does speak to to us all. Whether we're living in the Old Testament times or in this pandemic, this unusual enigma of a time that we're all experiencing as as all of us in the world. So I want to turn to um, Obadiah chapter 1 and we're going to be reading verses 3 to 4. I think this has something... Uh, of a reminder to us, in terms of a call to reflect upon our lives, uh, a call to reflect upon the idols that we may have uh, placed in our in our lives, you know that, that have crept into our hearts. So Obadiah chapter one verse three. If you if you have your Bibles, please read along with me. the The word of God says this: The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the clefts of the rock, in your lofty dwelling. Who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Though you saw aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. And thus we conclude the reading of the word of God. But it does say something interesting here to me. When I was reading this portion, it stood out, you know, um, quite uh, impactful, I guess, for lack of words. It says there that pride was the deceiver. At least as I understood it, pride is the deceiver, or, or or the one who has deceived us. But how does pride? I wondered. How does pride speak deceit? Or maybe more importantly, what does pride say? You know, what what was it? Even pride that spoke, or. Or was it the heart? Because it kind of seems as though it may have been the heart that spoke deceitfully. And if it was that, then, then what sort of influence does pride have over the heart to speak deceitfully to us? Now, these are some of the questions that I kind of wondered when I was you know, reading this portion and wrestling with this portion. Because when I think about about pride, I think of it in a sense of... Maybe you do as well in 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 a similar sense to kind of rest where you rest on something right when you're you like you're, you're boastful on it you know you're just like you bank it all on this one thing you know you, you think it's set it's a it's a guarantee it's it's done right as an example I guess to kind of feel you where where i'm kind of coming from at least um, from um you know what i'm thinking what i'm considering you know when I think about parents or when I consider their pride that they generally uh, elude or or express in their child when they uh, show confidence in their academic studies. Something along that line, you know, generally speaking, parents experience this sense of comfort or of of rest in knowing that their child's future is somewhat secure because of, of the grades that they've received. And this is why they stress, you know, over your homework and your studies because, you know, to them, to us as, as a parent, right, it all, it, it all accumulates and it, it increases the opportunities that one gets, you know. It increases the opportunities to go into a good uni uni, and then, you know, that leads to greater opportunities for a greater career that offers a great salary, right? That seems to be the, the end goal of these things. But I wonder if this is the same pride that this portion speaks of—that sense of rest, that sense of placing one's trust in something like, since we're using academic accomplishments, let's let's use that, like academic uh, accomplishments, where we can rest easier, knowing that our kids, you know, their accomplishments will lead to their success. It may very well be that their right there in that moment in that thought you know right there the deceit of pride lurks and begins to whisper a false hope or of comfort a false sense of security you know we believe that it offers us something that honestly it simply just does not offer it, it, at least with that absolute certainty you know humanly speaking however achievements such as academic accomplishments you know or what have you give a significantly high percentage of you know success or at least on the financial um side of things right so in one sense it, it's it's not foolish; it's not a foolish thing to do you know to pursue a career in these things to make sure that we you know we study hard and and work hard in terms of achieving these goals it, it, it's it has been kind of like proven to be somewhat of a reliable route or pathway to success. At least in comparison to, to what would be the opposite of this, which would be not to pursue a career through the academic route. You know, I'm not saying that there's no other route, but that, you know, if, if you were to not do anything, right, over pursuing something, then obviously the one who pursues is going to find success. So if it's not foolish, but a wise thing to do, you know, we're talking about um, academic, academic pursuit, um, you know, seeking a career through, through college or uni or what have you. So if this is not a foolish thing to do, but a wise thing to do, then why does this run the risk of, well, leading to pride? And the danger of being removed, because this is the, the end conclusion of this portion, is, is God removing us from that position. I imagine it to be uh, of, of the same wisdom as building a house on a rock. You know, for it's it's definitely far better than the alternative. You know, given that the Lord uses this as, as a parable, and illustration. You know, it's far better to build a house on a rock than to build a home on sand. Because when, you know, high temperatures and waves and all these things uh, uh, eventually have an impact on those houses one's going to stand and one's not going to stand so we can say that it's not foolish to build on a rock right as opposed to building on sand that's foolish in the same way we could say that beginning a career through the academic you know academic credibility is equally wise or at least wise in that same sense so you know any other reasonable pursuit for stability and security in life these things are a wise thing to do you uh, you save up money right it's a wise thing to do you invest your money in things so again we ask well where does the danger lie if this is wise to do you know to to set your your career path on on the academics or to invest your money wisely or to accumulate or save up your money or to to devote yourself or work hard to Whatever it is, whatever it is, I'm, I'm, I guess the point that I'm trying to make here is that sense of stability, you know, in, in life, whether it be work, through the academics, it's always having some sort of income. Um, so again, I ask, where does that danger lie? And if this is a wise thing to do, where does the danger lie where pride keeps in? And it's just that. It is it is in the pride of such things. It's when we have that pride where where and i Guess of being interchange in interchangeable I use the word pride interchangeably sorry um between pride and, and rest because we we truly tend to rest like like I was saying at the beginning that that the parents rest easy knowing that the kids are doing academically well. I know that um that for me personally like even uh, even though I have young kids just seeing one excel in in their academic studies while the other one needs a lot more um work with you know you you need to work with her a bit more you need to kind of make sure she's following through that there's that uh, causes that that almost concern right as a parent so i guess i'm thinking about those things you know the important question then i guess for me becomes this well how can we know Mm -hmm. That we have succumbed to the danger of pride. Like, how, how can we become aware? When have we crossed the line from, listen, this is a wise thing to do to, this is a pride thing now. Like, This is where I'm banking everything in. Or, or to probe the question a little bit further, how can we know that we are not being deceived by our own hearts? That's essentially what I want to consider with you because that's what obadiah presents to us that it was the heart that was deceiving them it was the heart that was deceiving them through this sense of pride in these things that these people were, were placing you know it seems to me that deceit comes when we take a secure thing like let's say a house on a rock a career in whatever or you know uh, whatever it is take it whatever it is you know whatever it may be an investment property a, a, whatever Taking a, a secure thing like that, and then turning that into the means of security and peace. What happens in our hearts and minds' eye is that we kind of begin to see them differently. From what they actually are, to something that we make them out to be, which isn't what they are designed to be. You know, um... Uh, that's not what they're for we we begin to perceive them no longer as gifts given to us by god and instead we begin to view them as goals achieved by us and i think there lies that that danger there when when once we begin to view that way primarily then there's reason to boast there's reason to be prideful What our hearts are beginning to do is essentially turning away from God as the giver. And in turn, we begin to view ourselves as the one who accomplishes, who reaches these things. What happens to our hearts is that we begin to buy the idea that there lies that subtle change um, that goes unnoticed. That that we become the cause of And means to achieving more in life. You know, that we become, we buy into that idea that we are the reason for this, that we are the reasons, um, you know, for what we get. And so we begin to achieve more in life and, and reach further and accumulate more and more and more. And there, like I said, lies that subtle change that goes unnoticed and undetected by the heart, where we have effectively removed God. In such a subtle way from the throne of our hearts, where we have removed him as the sovereign provider of our lives, and in his place, in his place, we place ourselves. You know, we dethrone him, we remove him as the sovereign provider of our lives, and we place essentially ourselves. And this becomes pride of the heart and idolatry before our God. So, if one of the ways I suggest pride can easily creep into our hearts is when we solely depend upon these means for our sense of security and peace and peace of mind and what have you, I would like to offer another way that we might be able to kind of self-examine ourselves to see if we have fallen into this pit because honestly it's so important for us to see that like if i'm resting entirely upon my financial uh stability then that has become my idol you know when i'm resting easily because i have money in the bank account or i'm resting easy because i have a a, a career or i guess to speak into our times now it, it, i'm rest easy because i'm i have an income you know i'm living in australia where uh, a large portion of of us have lost their jobs so if i'm resting easy because of these things then it's these things in which i rest i know that sounds pretty straightforward but think about that it should be god in which we should be resting but anyways again i digress i, I hope that i make that that point clear what i do want to kind of focus on next is this though Another way in which we can uh, detect, I guess, this deceit of pride in our hearts. And to do that, we need to kind of look at the context of the actual book that we've, we've been reading from, the portion that we read from, to have some form of context of this book. Now, I'm just going to give you a quick snapshot of what has been happening in Israel um, in this time. Essentially, the nation of Israel had just kind of come under the punishment of God due to, To their disobedience. Excuse me. Uh, Jerusalem had fallen to the Babylonian kingdom. And as a result, Edom, uh, of which the opening passage is addressing. If you begin reading uh, Abadiah from from chapter 1 verse 1. It's addressing Edom. They have somewhat mocked the Jewish nation. uh, And boasted in their security. That's what they've been doing. That's the context here. You see, the the Edomites had built had built um, a city upon the, the the mountainous range. You know, given them uh, an obvious advantage against their potential enemies. So the city, with with its seemingly impenetrable walls, and <clears throat> it just seemed like it had a great defense had given the people of Edom, the Edomites, had, had received this false sense of security. And as a result of this, they gloated and mocked the demise of Judah. Though it was God who had punished Israel by sending the Babylonians to destroy them, for for Edom to mock them was just foolish. Because, because like I said, it was God who did that to, to Israel. So it would have been far more better for the Edomites to have just helped the Jews instead of gloat over them. You know, The Edomites had listened to the whispers of their heart's deceitful pride. And so thus God had declared judgment against them. Since the punishment that, that Israel was enduring was from the hand of God himself. So also the promise of restoring them came from God also. That's what God had promised to them. And it's like you know they were going to get punishment for the for this, their disobedience, but God would restore them once again. Though they had failed God, though they had failed God, um, you know God was going to be their God and, and, and reestablish them, reaffirm them once again. So since the punishment of Israel was you know was enduring um, by well I guess by the hand of God, so also like I said. The re-establishment would come from God. And though they had failed God and God justly punished them, he would give them a promise to deliver them from that punishment. Israel was being punished because of you know God loved his people and so for Edom to mock them in this time was just, as I said already already, it is just utterly foolishness. It was foolish for them to, to gloat over the their demise of of Judah. So this brings me back to the point for which why I considered the context of this prophecy. Another way we may assess if we are being deceived by our hearts is if there is this lack of compassion for others who are struggling. If we find it hard to depart with with our own resources like money or our precious time or our wealth or uh, um or whatever it is, you know, our our, our knowledge even. It might be because we have turned our gifts into our gods. It might be that we've we've turned those gifts into our gods. We saw how in in the time of Israel's greatest need, Edom decided to boast in their success, in their secured wars, in their wisdom. And maybe you've snubbed someone and considered them foolish or for doing, you know, what what not doing what you did you know because you pursued the, the the greater career in whatever right you decided to do this and so you kind of maybe look down upon the less fortunate you know, you know you see this lie that we are so used to believing so used to that we are the masters of our own destinies when we begin to see that that where we have been placed uh, we we begin to see it as though we've placed ourselves in that position. I think we're in danger of, of being deceived, uh, or lied to I should say. Deceived by our, our pride. Deceived by our hearts. But you see, this isn't something new. This is the same lie that has been told from the very beginning. The serpent has been spreading this very same venom since day one. when When he told the first couple in the garden that they they too could become like God, right? We all remember that story. There in the garden, that serpent, that all-familiar serpent, spreads his lies and and tells them that they could be like God. This temptation is the same one that we keep getting thrown our way. And the reason why we, we fall for it is because we are so inclined towards it. We keep falling for it. We like it. We either make ourselves God's, and masters of our own lives and destinies, or we create gods that we can manipulate and use for our own advantage. Which, by the way, leads back to the real god of all things, that being us. <clears throat> and so, so thus it it. It's as at, at this point that the warning kind of comes into the story. The warning is simple, and straightforward, and much needed, I think, for all of us. To be aware of this. This danger. The warning is simple and straightforward. To all who are trusting in their own sense of security. To those who are comfortable in their homes. You know built on that stone mountain. To those who have slept well because of a career or money or investments. It is from there that God says. I will bring you down. It may be a true saying that the higher. The higher up you are. The harder the fall will be and that is true and if you think you're up there you're high and mighty and you're boast and you're prideful because of these things it is from there that god will bring you down but is this fall necessary i don't believe it is unless of course god so wills it to you know for us to to experience that to remove that mountain right but considering this text what could have been avoided should have been avoided by the edomites their issue wasn't um, that they had mocked the Jews primarily. that was kind of like a result of, but rather that the, the main issue was that they, that they had placed their trust and hope in their city's security. May we not be so foolish in thinking about our lives, our own lives that way? I would like to offer you some thoughts for consideration in terms of avoiding that, especially now, all right? And the first one would be this, looking at, uh, looking at all that we have been given, looking at all that we've accumulated, could we walk away from that? And this is just a thought. Could you be able to walk away from it all if that was an option for you? Or does your tranquility depend upon these things? Now, like I said, I'm, just, I'm, I'm not suggesting that you do this, by the way, like if you could walk away from your house and your job. Now, I'm not suggesting that, but if that were to be removed from you, if you still have it Could you still rest easy But the answer to this question Might reveal to you More about how much you actually depend upon these things Than upon God And that is reason to be alarmed That's just a, a thought Just some, an exercise Would it cause you anxiety to think upon that, that the, the loss of these things Another thought to consider might be this. How often do you pray to God in gratitude for what you do have in comparison to your prayers of what you want? That is, if you pray at all, of course. But prayer, however, is such a, a wonderful tool to our advantage because we, it, it realigns our minds, if you're praying right at least. It, it realigns our minds and our hearts to seeing what we have as how they ought to be. How they should be perceived as gifts and not as things we've attained. So we are grateful for the things that we have. As as little as it may be or as a lot as it may be, whatever the case, we are reminded that it is a gift. It is given to us. We have not achieved these things, you know, because of our intellect. Yet yeah, the, the intellect came from from God because you're a hard That All those things have come from God. So whatever it is, it, it's come from God. You didn't choose to be born in, within your family. You didn't choose to be born in this country. All those things were opportunities given to you. So when you pray, do you pray with thanksgiving for what you have? More than praying for what you want. That's another thing to reflect upon. And third, our third and final consideration might be to live selflessly. Not selfishly. Selflessly. In light of what we're, we're living in today, maybe don't hoard things for yourself. maybe give it away to someone else who might need it more. And, you know a, a heart that can kind of let go so easily is a heart that acknowledges that what he gets, he gets it from God. you know He can let go of it because it was given to him to begin with. it wasn't him that earned it so it's easier to let go because join peace. We are no longer deriving from these external things, but rather from God himself. And that's the key. Once you, you begin to acknowledge that all that we have, we receive from God. We, we begin to derive our joy and our peace from God as well. We rest in God. We rejoice in God. And we find peace in God. And so these other things that are given to us, since they are not the source of our peace and joy, we we can let go of them far more easier we can depart from them our joy and peace actually comes from the lord and what he has done and i will quickly say this because i would like to eventually do a small series on this but yeah on the righteousness of god right that we are justified by god uh, a mini series that i'm working on called the the, the righteousness shall oh, sorry the righteous shall live by faith because honestly, that is the most fundamental, that is the most important thing. Why is this so important for us to say at this point? Because this is all that matters at the end. It is not about how comfortable I live now, but rather that I enjoy His presence, that I enjoy Him. That's the most important thing. That I enjoy my comforter, not just now, but even into eternity, which is the most important. If that, if that is secured for me, then, then what I lose here is insignificant in comparison. Because as long as I have eternity with my Lord, then what I lose here on earth means zilch. It means zero. It means nada to me in comparison to what I will attain. So when we practice trusting in the external things, we're placing ourselves in that same path of danger that led to those whispers of pride in the people of Edom. right? When we begin to practice that, when we begin to place our trust in these external things, it leads us to that. It leaves us open to deceit. That pride that deceives us. From hearing God's truth. And the truth of God is that he has you. He has you. He's got you. He's protecting you, loving you, guiding you. He will not leave you nor abandon you. If he he gives, he can take away. And if he takes away, he can restore it all to you. Just like Job. We do not depend upon our set careers, our bank accounts, our storage of goods, our house on a hill. We do not boast in them, but rather we give thanks for them. To the giver of all gifts. And even if he were to take them all away, we still give thanks. So let's learn to let go. Let's learn to pray with thanksgiving. And let's learn to give to others as they need. May God bless you guys. And until next time, I hope this has been somewhat of an encouragement. Um, And just pray for your servant. Pray that God will continue to uh, speak and use me for his glory. Until next time, God bless. Take care of yourselves and love you lots.